Welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. I'm your host, Amanda Joy Loveland, and as always, I'm so honored to be here with you. And my heart is just so full today with just those that have reached out, with knowing that this podcast really is meaning so much to so many of you. I appreciate you. And just really, I feel so honored and humbled that I get to do this and that I get to connect with so many amazing individuals. And before we dive into my next interview, for those of you that are wanting more assistance and more support in wherever you are at in your healing process, come join me March 17th through the 20th down in Springdale, Utah for an unbind and unwind retreat that is all women. And this is a place where you really get to feel supported and held and nourished and you know, we have massages and yoga and meals are provided and we get to sit under the red rocks of Zion's and have experiences that really allow you to see deeper into those light, those spaces of light within. This is truly a transformational retreat and one that if you are feeling the call, come snag your spot. I've got five spots left and you can head to my website, amandajoyloveland.com forward slash unbind. And I also wanted to mention, for those of you that are seeking a Facebook group, I would love, 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 love to to suggest that you go over to Wendy Wilcox has created this really beautiful group called Empowered Former LDS. And this has been such a supportive group of like-minded individuals coming together in many different places in their journey of leaving Mormonism. And the support that's offered, the space that you can you know, ask for advice, ask for thoughts, ask for different pieces is really, it's, it's just such a beautiful community. So if you're feeling like you need a little bit more support and it is a private group, um, I would head over to empowered former LDS and I will link it down in the show notes. So with all of that being said, let's dive in to my interview with my next guest. Well, welcome Kayla. I, as always, I am like, I love doing these podcasts. I love getting to spend time with new people and hear new stories and especially another Joy sister. We were just yeah. talking about how, yeah, your middle name's Joy. My middle name's Joy. My last podcast, mm-hmm. her name was Joy. <laughs> yes, it's awesome. It's a good name. <laughs> it is a good name. Well, what was funny, did you notice on my last, with the last interview, how she was saying it's funny that her name's Joy because she feels like she's not joyful. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh-huh. Which I have a funny uh, story about that. So when my mom was pregnant with me, um, they were going through a lot of stress. They were trying to move out to Idaho to go for my dad to go to Rick's college. Um, they had already sold their place here in Minnesota. So I'm from Minnesota. I grew up here in Minnesota, but um, my family is from Minnesota. But my dad really wanted to go to Rick's. So um, I have three older siblings and um, they had just found out I was, they were pregnant with me and my mom was just totally stressed out and totally like, what are we going to do? We don't have a place yet in Aww. Idaho and, you know, all, and they had to get there in, in a week. And oh, so wow. they had a week left and. Um, so she's like, yeah, I'm surprised that she always said that I was always a happy baby out of all my siblings. I was like the happiest baby. She says, I just don't get it because I was so stressed out when I was pregnant with you. Uh (laughs) So, yeah. 
And you were telling me before we started recording that your dad's the one who named you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have some similarities because um, my parents were going through a lot. Actually, my brother died when my mom was pregnant with me and mm-hmm. they had a lot. They had a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. And so when I was yeah. finally born, it was that's partly why. And it was my dad with the middle name, Joy. So mm-hmm. kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Interesting how you got right? similar stories. That yeah. is interesting. Well, Kayla, I do not know a thing about you. So I get to, I'm like, I'm really excited to hear your story. So you are in Minnesota. Yep. I'm here in Minnesota. I pretty much stayed in the same ward I grew up in. So yeah. I'm still here in the same, same area. area. So I got to see, you know, growing up in the church. Um, I actually had a good childhood. Um, I had good friends, church friends, but in Minnesota, um, there's not high volume as yeah. much in one area. So we go to school with a lot of non-Mormons and um, actually a lot of like in this area, there's Lutheran Catholics and Baptists and people that pretty much don't like us and like to invite the missionaries over and bash with them. So oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, we go, um, the high school I first went to, it was me, my family were the only active members. And then we had a couple other kids that were members as well, but they weren't active. And so we went to high school with a bunch of non-member friends. So I'm kind of glad I grew up in the environment because I got to know more, you know, I got to know people outside of our church and um, how to, you know, I guess, uh, make friendships with people of all different backgrounds. Um, I live near the Twin Cities, so it's pretty diverse for the most part. Um, The South St. Paul High School is what I first went to. Um, and so that's more diverse because it's closer to the cities. Um, and then when we moved in fourth grade to Cottage Grove, um, it, it's more suburbs. So it's a little bit, it's like 10, five, 10 minutes further away from the city. So it wasn't as diverse, but now that um, actually today we've got a lot of more diversity here in Cottage Grove. So um, my husband is Hmong. He's, he's what? Say that again. He's Hmong. And what so is, it's an Asian. Um, yeah. I've Asian never heard activity. of that. Okay. So I'll tell you a little bit about them because it has, um, it's very much involved with my story. So yeah. with the, all the cultural difference, but um, so they're basically an Asian ethnic group that don't really have a They're like men without a country. So they originate way back in China, kind of got pushed out of China. Um, But most of the Hmong population is still in China today. Um, And then when they got pushed out of China, they moved mostly to like Laos, Thailand. And and so during the Vietnam War, um, the people who actually helped our the U.S. soldiers get through the jungles were Hmong people. Oh, and a lot of people don't know that because they call it, in history, they call it the silent war because it's not talked about a lot in the um, history books. Hmm. A lot of people who aren't, there's a high Hmong population, second highest Hmong population in Minnesota here. 
um, the higher population is in California. So there's a lot of Hmong people in California as well. Um, so they, um, today, like my in-laws, they, um, so during the Vietnam War, they actually got fled from Vietnam to flee from the communists. Um, my father-in-law has a very interesting story about that. I don't know if you want me to go into that, but it's, uh, they had to basically risk their lives crossing the, um, the river there. Um, wow. yeah. And so it was very, you know, very, so how my, I guess I should go back to how my, um, husband was in the church. So he, his parents, um, after they fled Vietnam, or I mean Laos, sorry, after they fled Laos, they moved to refugee camps in Thailand, lived there for a while, and then they moved, they were placed in France. So part of my husband's extended family members moved, chose to be transferred to the U.S. and then my in-laws um, decided to move to some to France with some other family members. So he was actually born in France. Oh, interesting. Yep. And then they moved to from France to I think when they moved to the U.S. they moved to Utah. Oh. Yep. And that's when they uh, kind of learned about the church. Um, growing up in Laos. My in-laws went to um, Catholic schools, even though they weren't Catholic, because the main religion of um, Hmong people is um, shamanism. And so when you when mm. I listened to your podcast and heard that you were shaman, um, I was very interested in that. Very, yeah, how interesting. Yeah. Wow. So um, I did, I have witnessed like, shaman um rituals like at funerals mm. that have been to um some Shaman- weddings yeah shamanic yeah. funerals are absolutely beautiful they're mm-hmm. they're really unique i love them how yeah. cool yeah so that's very interesting i uh i enjoy listening to you talk about that and your involvement so <laughs> <laughs> um so they pretty much um were into the well, my mother-in-law, she was actually interested in joining the church at first. Um, like she was very much into the idea of the church and a lot of, she explained to me a lot of the cultural ideas from their culture kind of line up with the church as in, you know, the woman takes care of the home, you know, on top of cooking and cleaning and taking care of the kids. And that's a woman's role. And um, man's role is to take care of the family financially. So uh, there's a lot of similarities with the church <laughs> and their culture. And she just thought that was, I mean, she still thinks that's wonderful today, which yeah. we'll later on for, <laughs> for me, because uh, my personality growing up, um, I was very much not the cookie cutter Mormon. And so I felt like growing up, um, I have, I got along with a lot of people. Um, I was just, I had a lot of friends in my ward and 
um, people that I grew up with. Um, but as I got, as we got older and, you know, we graduated high school, my friends all moved out of state or moved away. And so I was just kind of stayed behind and hung out. And, um, you know, we get a lot of people, especially as you get older, um, or as I got older, a lot of um, people that move from Utah to come here for because we have a lot of good jobs here mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Um, so they would like go to school at BYU, then come here. People who grew up in in Utah, very different. I yeah, <laughs> very different Mormons than here in Minnesota. It's just um, I have actually family members who live in Utah mm-hmm. that I went to visit and. Um, I just felt like I was in the twilight zone. Yeah, it is unique. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> so how did you how did you meet your husband? Um, so we met actually in high school. So when they moved here to the U.S., they lived in Utah for a while, joined the church eventually. Um, so his dad didn't want to join the church, uh, um, and he so because he didn't want to join the church, he refused to let his mom join. Oh. And so the missionaries kept coming over and kind of befriending my father-in-law and like trying to make build friendship there um, to kind of persuade him to join. He said he wouldn't join unless he saw like, cause he, the power of the priesthood did not come like, Oh, like it didn't make sense to him. He didn't, believe it was more like oh yeah that's just something that they say they have they don't really have it he was just kind of thought that was nonsense Mm. then his mom got sick Mm. and she was on her deathbed um and that was devastating for him because he was close to his mom so he did he's like okay i'll put this priesthood to the test (laughs) so he did ask the missionaries to come to the hospital and give her a blessing and um, she lived for a week more. Mm. Well, she was, they, the doctor said she probably wouldn't make it through the night. And then after the blessing, she lived for another week. Mm. And that's what he was like, okay, I just saw the power of the priesthood. So that's what made him want to join. And then they joined the church. <laughs> so, And his mom did pass away. Yeah, she oh, did sad. pass away like about a week later, but um she wasn't expected to make it through the night. Yeah. Yeah. Um so when you I, guys when you guys met, was he Mormon then? Yep, he was Mormon. So huh? they joined when he was I think before he was eight years old. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So wow. he did get baptized at eight. Um and then he also has an uncle. I guess he's very well known in the Hmong community because he in the church Hmong community because um, he is actually the one that translated the Book of Mormon into Hmong. Oh, interesting. The Hmong version. Huh. And so, yeah, wow. really interesting. <laughs> I have a little bit of <laughs> yeah deep Mormon ties, I guess. So, what was so as you you know you guys get connect you're both mormon i assume you got married in the temple you kind you've kind of done that no you didn't yeah that's okay a big story so um we're very much grew up both in the in the church very committed families so my parents are also converts uh, they both joined in their teenage years 
Um, and let's just say it wasn't an ideal get together. Yeah. So, um, he was, he's actually three years older than me. We Uh actually, when I first met Gabe, it was in, um, it was in our math class at school because we went to the same high school mm-hmm. and he sat next to me and helped me with my math because I'm terrible at math. Mm-hmm. And he is, we both had transferred from different schools because he had moved from, he kind of moved around the U.S. a little bit. He was in Michigan for a while. So then after they lived in Michigan, they moved here to Minnesota. And um, after I decided I didn't want to keep commuting back and forth to South St. Paul to Cottage Grove. Um, I just decided I'm just going to go to the school here in Cottage Grove because I I didn't want to leave my friends that I had in South St. Paul. But so I did end up going to Park High School and that's where we both went to school, high school. Um, He was a senior. I was in 10th grade. And because we both moved from different um, schools, we were accidentally put in the wrong math class. <laughs> so oh, we were both, we're not supposed to be in that math class, but that's how we met. And then my first thought, it's really funny. Um, like, I don't know why I've just always had like spirit. I believe at the time when I was Mormon, I had spiritual gifts, which I'm interested whenever you talk about like spiritual gifts and everything, how, you know, I I could talk about more th- about that later, but can I um, ask you really quick? Do you not do you not feel like you have spiritual gifts now? Um, I feel like I still have those spiritual gifts. I just don't know how to like because believe believing in them before was more of like in a Mormon context, and now that I'm not, I don't consider be to be Mormon anymore. I. I haven't figured out my spiritual path. <laughs> I yeah. still move. Um, I just stopped going or decided to leave the church back in actually December or um, in the summer, uh-huh. summer of 2021. So just this past summer, I decided to leave the church. Um, yeah. So I've always had like these spiritual experiences very interesting but when I first met him my thought came to my head like oh he he would uh, you two are gonna get married or something like that and I'm like what I don't <laughs> want to grade. Die. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like what the heck like what or like I had this feeling that oh he'd make a good husband like I don't even know if he's Mormon you know but after I got to know him he helped me a lot on my homework so I was like he's a, you know, he seems like he would make a really good Mormon. And then a week later, he shows up to my early morning seminary class. I'm like, hey, you're the guy from math That's class. That's funny. Yeah. So, uh, during high school, we kind of had this, um, some of the same friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had my main group of friends, which are mostly from church. And then I had some friends from school too. So I didn't really ever hang out with them outside of school they were just more of my school friends um outside of school I mostly hung out with my church friends because mm-hmm. it just felt like they just understood me and we just all did the same things anyway um uh but 
Gabe, so you, he would hang out with all kinds of people outside of school. He hung out with mostly, actually, um, his, his school friends. So he, you know, we would go to, we would hang out. So we weren't, like, as boyfriend and girlfriend at first. We were friends for a long time, for many years before we started dating, mm. actually. So. And you didn't yeah. get married in the temple, but you're both Mormon. Yep. Uh, yeah, that was a really big problem. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he, so after he graduated and I graduated, um, I started liking him more than just a friend. And actually it's kind of a funny, I ended up accidentally asking him out and it mean to, but <laughs> mm-hmm. accidentally on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he just found out I was into him and then I was like okay fine yeah I guess I have to admit it yes I'm starting to like you more than just a friend um and so if if you're into the idea you can say no I won't you know have hurt feelings but if you just want to try to date I mean I don't know if you're up for it but (laughs) so I kind of roundaboutly asked them out I was like okay if you just want to try it and then you we don't we decide we're not good as like dating we could just go back to being just friends you know but how long, you guys, <laughs> how long have you been married now uh we just celebrated our 15 year anniversary yeah. well it's sweet as you're telling the story you can clearly see that you're still very much in love with your husband which is quite yeah. quite mm-hmm. sweet now he's still in correct yep yeah um so, so what mm-hmm. was it kayla that Pro, like you wanted to reach out and share your story. What was it about Mike? Cause I know it was in our Facebook, one of the groups mm-hmm. we're in where we had connected. What was it that it was like, you know what? I really want to, I want to share my story. Um, well, I felt there's not a whole lot of talk about um, when you live in a multicultural relationship is very, it's hard enough to figure out, okay, so how are we going to, join our two ways of living together and yeah. there we've gotten into a lot of arguments and how we're going to raise our family like because he was raised one way and I was raised another way and so there's already that tension and then to add me leaving the church is I felt like it just needed to be talked about more um yeah. having multi-racial relationships and um and how it interacts with the church too mm-hmm. belief system. I mean, it's not, I mean, every culture is different, but like I said earlier, um, his mom, what really drew her to the church is she saw a lot of similarities between the culture and the church of that patriarchy and how a woman should, you know, we're just expected to get married and have babies and take yeah. care of the house and everything. And, um, my m- mother was raised us, I guess, to be more open-minded. Um, I have an older sister who has her PhD, mm, and awesome. so she's always worked outside the home. Um, and, and so she's kind of, and she, her husband also left the church long before I did. So uh-huh. they were, they've kind of been a major support system to me. That's um, really nice. So, yeah. My mom kind of just taught us to be strong women, mm-hmm. which I appreciate that. Cause in the church, you don't, you know, 
kind of just told to. I mean, even though all she wanted when she was a little girl was to be a mom because she she didn't have her mom around when she was little. And so um, that's kind of all she wanted to do. Um, But as she had her own family, she raised us to be very much, you know, to stand strong um, in being a woman. And so I I, I really appreciate that about my mom. Yeah, no kidding. Um, So it was hard getting, you know, joining. Okay, so me and Gabe's long story short, we ended up having a getting pregnant. Yeah. Um, which his mom, when we finally told his parents, his mom stopped talking to him for about a month. Now um, is, very disappointed. And is this and, a, his mom died. I thought when he was eight. Nope. Um, uh, this was his, that was his uh, dad's mom. So that was his grandmother. Oh, his grandmother. Okay. I thought it was his mom. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got you. That makes more uh-huh. sense now. No. Okay. <laughs> but his mom, yeah, his mom is still alive. Uh, she, so I don't want, like, I just want to give a disclaimer. I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing or, you know, talking negatively about anyone, but this is just my experience yeah. that I want to share because like I said, it's not talked about how racial, you know, um, differences affect mm-hmm. everyone and right. you know, affect each other. So, so she stopped um, talking to you when you when you guys got pregnant. To Gabe, yeah, Gabe, okay, for about a month because uh, she was very upset. Yeah, and I soon found out later that she had told her that she had told my um, brother-in-law that she blames me for everything. Hmm. Anything bad that my, um, my husband had made decision on his own, not with that, you know, not with my, you know, me, you know, even like, so he smokes and he drinks and, you know, of course, now that I'm, I'm actually a year before, I left the church. I started drinking coffee because I would get um, these tired migraines when I was at work and they were just so debilitating that um, I found that coffee, you know, caffeine Mm -hmm. helps with migraines for some people. And because mine was caused by being overly tired and exhausted, um, I started drinking coffee in the in the mornings, just one cup every day, just so that I wouldn't get those migraines during yeah. the day. Did it um, help? It did. Oh, I that's so good. I haven't had a migraine since I started drinking coffee. So. Yeah, there yeah, is. Too. Interestingly <laughs> enough, there are health benefits from drinking coffee. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I love coffee now. I'm a, I'm a, I do I'm too. Coffee. I still have my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, sorry, I kind of get distracted easily and you're, off topic, but um, you're, you're good. You're my personality, I guess. <laughs> Um, but his mom seemed to blame you for a lot of the things that he was choosing. So smoking and drinking, and then you start drinking coffee and. Yeah. Well, and then us getting pregnant, I said, well, you know, it makes, it takes two people to have a baby, not just one. And then she's like, well, her reasoning, according to, to my brother-in-law was, um, well, who asked who out? 
So because I <laughs> technically mm-hmm. asked him out, everything that happened in his life is my fault. So, so how has it been with, because I can imagine that this is creating another kind of surge in the relationship with the yeah. family dynamics of you choosing to, to leave religion. How has it been with you and your husband though? When you started, what was it that really created this, you know, feeling like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be Mormon anymore. What was the event or the events that started kind of transpiring mm-hmm. that within you? So, uh, I have depression on both sides of my family. So it kind of runs in our family. After I had my third baby, um, Olivia, she's my only girl. Aww. Um, she, <laughs> uh, she, I had gotten really bad postpartum depression from her, um, more than the boys, I would say. I have two boys, mm-hmm. um, and then my baby girl. Um, well, that just never really went away, kind of just lingered. And I've always, um, since having kids, realized that maybe I am depressed, but I never really did anything about it because it wasn't. But then as time went on, after I had Olivia, I had, um, there were times when I had thoughts, oh, disclaimer, um, thoughts of suicide, Mm -hmm. and it just got to be overwhelming. And I felt like I needed to do something about that. But as I was talking to my doctor and then getting on medication, I'm like, well, it's got to be more than just, you know, me, like, I felt like in my life, there was a lot of toxicity with mm-hmm. like my relationships with people. And I'm not saying it was only her, but a lot of the toxic relationships happened to me from mm-hmm. his family and um, how they viewed me and everything. And so I wanted to um, get rid of all the toxic things in my life that was kind of making me feel more depressed and everything. um, I think that's really wise of you to ask that question because usually depression is not just a chemical imbalance. There is, I mean, there's that that's true too. And then there usually is something underneath the surface that is creating this. So I think it's really wise of you to ask that question and start looking at your Mm -hmm. life of what, what needs to get removed or cleaned out or where do I need to have some boundaries? Yeah. And so I went online and Googled like um, abusive personalities and so I've always kind of like growing up had these like small shelf. Well, at the time I didn't think they were small, but now that I'm out of the church, I realized they were bigger things than Mm -hmm. what I thought they were. But I had these shelf items growing up um, that I just kind of ignored um, you mean things that you put on your shelf, that whole saying with like the shelf yep. that we talk. Okay. I just want to make sure I understand. Yeah. You. Yep. Things that I put on my shelf that I just didn't pay much attention to because, oh, it would hinder my testimony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so as I Googled some or um, personality, abusive personalities, um, I was like, oh my gosh, the church the church as an organization sounds a lot like an abusive, yeah, or abusive, something, you know, like abusive person. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, my husband, I just want to say my husband's always treated me well and 
I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I think you go like spousal abuse or whatever, but I just wanted in general to know what an abusive personality was because yeah. I was like I was saying, I was trying to weed out the things or the people in my life that was kind of bringing me down. And it just a lot of, you know, I love my family. I love my in-laws, but I, there's, I learned that I have to have boundaries with them. Mm -hmm. I can't be around them all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I still love them and I've tried to move on and forgive and everything. Um, But that being said, I still have to keep my distance. Um, So, yeah, I realized, well, that sounds a lot like the church. And then also to deal with my depression, I was watching a lot of TV or like a lot of shows to kind of distract my mind um, from other thoughts. And so um, I was watching, uh, I watch everything. Like I love crime stuff. I love, I just love a lot of different genres, but Uh I was curious about Leah Remney's uh, Scientology. Oh yeah. (laughs) I think it's on Hulu or is it on Netflix? I have no idea. But so I, I watched that and I was like, oh my gosh. And then I started seeing all the similarities between uh-huh. Scientology that I thought was considered a cult uh-huh. and the Mormonism. And so I was like, I'm, I literally woke up and I texted my sister who's out of the church. I said, am I in a cult? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Um, I've seen a lot of cultish things now about the church. Like it just kind of opened my mind to view, you know, to view the church in a different light. And also with the shutdown from COVID mm-hmm. and when we couldn't go to church for a long time, I was like, oh my gosh, that was another thing. Like not going to jer- church just like felt like a big burden off of me. Like it relieved some of that toxicity that mm-hmm. I was talking about. Um, it was like, oh, not going to church. My anxiety went down like almost to nothing. Wow. Um, my depression got better. I mean, when I, it's kind of funny because when I told my parents I was leaving the church and and they know about my depression. They know I just started medication as well. Um, well, my mom said, she says, well, now that you're on medication, do you want to try going back to church? Oh, yeah. So, as if like, that's, you know, the issue. Like, mm-hmm. since I'm on medication, maybe the church will be better now, yeah. you know, like, like uh, I think it's more than that, mom. <laughs> I know she meant well, but yeah. Um, well, when I was investigating all of these things um, about mental health, and I was like, the church, I just saw the church as not being healthy at all. And so I didn't want to just leave the church just because, well, I didn't want the stigma against me that oh I just left because I was offended which has come up from my parents because they know a lot of my stories dealing with the church where it would have been you know kind of testimony breaking or you know offended um but 
I said, I, I'm not leaving the church because I'm offended. I'm leaving the church yeah. because I see that all, there's all these issues, things that's wrong with the church that is not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, uh, you dig into the CES letters and that totally like, just like stopped everything. Like my testimony in the Book of Mormon is a big one. Um I w- when I read about like how Joseph Smith was with the whole scamming people and then the way that he translated the Book of Mormon was the exact same way. And I was like, wait a second, I didn't learn this in seminary. All those years going getting up early, going to early seminary, they don't teach it like that. They Of course not. Yeah, they teach they they talk about the stones, but they don't talk about how he used the stones. Uh-huh. You know? And so I felt lied to. I felt like this this is a church built on a guy who scanned people out of their money. Like this is not an honest person. It sounded like something that he just came up with to I don't know, to make money or, you know, to excel his you know, personal life. And I was like, I don't think I I can't have a testimony in the Book of Mormon anymore or Joseph Smith. Like I couldn't go back to that because of what I knew. And then when I posted about it on my Facebook, I had a lot of longtime family friends and and family members that um, would say, well, we knew this. It's not like anything new. And I'm like, well, actually, yeah, we knew about these things, but they didn't teach it how, you know, they portrayed it in a different light. So to make it more I don't know, appealing or okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, how can you follow someone? Well, and then someone made the comment, well, how, I just can't believe that anyone can just come up with the Book of Mormon. And how can you deny that? And I said, well, Look at Harry Potter and how. (laughs) (laughs) Have you read Harry Potter and how detailed it is and how like creative um, and magical and uh, yeah? I said people's minds are a powerful thing. Yes, they are. Anybody, it doesn't matter if you're educated or not. Just you know, a lot of people will say, "Well, he wasn't educated. How can he?" I say, "Well, he was creative. Obviously, he could have easily created, and then he was also." kind of going off of personal, you know, um, personal things like stuff that he's read or other people have read, you know, so kind of plagiarizing in a way. And well, I had, yeah, I had a good friend of mine that pointed out and I didn't know this, but his brother had a vast library full of a lot of mystical teachings and mystical books. And a lot of the stuff that he pulled in was from this these mystical mm-hmm. books and it's like, huh. And back then it wasn't common to be able to have access to literature. And he oh, had, wow. he had access to a lot of ancient texts. So wow. yeah. yeah, it's just well, amazing. I think people's minds, like people don't give your, like their brains enough credit, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's important to, to remember is that your brain is a powerful thing. And I learned that a lot, learning about my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things you can do mentally to help yourself, your mental health. 
Oh, 100%. Our brains are, this is why I love NLP, because mm-hmm. our brains yeah. are supercomputers. And, yeah. you know, if there's some sort of a virus or some sort of a limiting belief, it can be really easily reprogrammed and cleared. Mm-hmm. And our subconscious mind takes in up to, it's over, it's around 2 million bits of information a second, where our mm-hmm. conscious mind takes in about 126 bits. So it's just fascinating how, I mean, our brains are like supercomputers. And then we just get to utilize okay, what part of the, my brain do I need to, you know, start working? So I love that you've been asking these questions and they, you started diving into it and kind of getting some, some clarity as far as really what you're wanting to do next with what your future looks like. So when you started doing this, did you communicate it to your husband? How, what did that process look like? Um, well, I told him I was leaving the church and of course he was heartbroken. Um, yeah. It's kind of funny. Sorry, not really funny, but funny. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He was inactive at church up up until I told him I wanted to leave the church. And then he's like, oh, well, I'll start. (sighs) So how interesting. So he he stepped more in when you left. Yep, he did. Oh, how how has that been? I was frust- I was actually upset about that because I'm like, here I was with three small children. You know how hard it is to get little kids up and, and ready. Like you have to get all of them ready and yourself ready and get to church on time. Like mornings were just so stressful. And then going to church by ourselves um, without my husband there was just heartbreaking every week. Um, hmm. You know, not being married in the temple, um, you know, I'm like, okay, one of these days he's going to, you know, I just held on to the faith, hoping that he would be active again and um, we can get married in the temple and um, sorry. No, you're good. So, yeah, that had to be really hard with how many years did you do that where you were alone? Well, my oldest is 14 now, so it was, you know, about 14 years I was going to church by myself with my kids, Mm. hoping that I could have an eternal family. And that just broke my heart when he said that he was going to be active now. No kidding. No, you're good. Because I try, like, you know, they tell you to have faith. I did everything I could. I was in the primary presidency. I tried to fulfill my callings. Mm. I did everything I was, I paid our tithing for. So even though he wasn't going and I paid the tithing for our family, um, even though there were, many years where I didn't work and then I because of work um his career change I had to start going back to work um, yeah there's so many things that contributed to me leaving the church um, and then I just thought you know why does it why does it matter anyway um if I if I'm doing all these things if I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, sorry. Mm, I'll be sorry. Um, 
Because according to the church, my family can't be together. And, like, even though I'm this faithful member, it just did, it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was a hard one for me. And I bet. I said, and then he's like, well, when I told him I was leaving, he said he's going to, you know, he's going to be active or try to go to church again. Well, the first thing he said when I told him I was leaving, he said, well, I thought you were going to carry us to heaven. And I was like, so because he saw his mom, he his mom is a powerful woman, you know, very strong woman. Um, and so she, as in my story that you heard, um, you could tell she was the one that pushed to join the church in the first place. Yeah. But because it's kind of patriarchal culture, it did what the men wanted to do, you know? So she didn't join just because his dad didn't want to, didn't think it was a good idea to join. Um, but this whole time she was, you know, in, she was taking the discussion. She was, you know, interested in joining the church this whole, that whole time. And so her being a strong woman, but not really being able to make those choices for herself. Um, you know, I forgot where I was going with this, but just that because he had made that comment, I thought you were going to carry us to heaven. Yeah. His mom being strong and kind of, yeah. I think that's what made him view it like that is because growing up, he saw his mom being the spiritual leader in the family, even though she didn't have the priesthood. Mm -hmm. And he literally said that to me. He said, I thought you were going to be the one to be the spiritual strength in our uh, family. And I was the one working hard financially, you know, for the temporal issues, Mm -hmm. you know? So in his mind, he was the temporal, you know, lifter up or lifter, lifter upper. And I was the spiritual lifter upper. So how interesting. um, Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting comment. And I said, you know, even if I'm doing all I can, because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, according to the Mormon church, we, we're not going to get to the temple anyway, because you're not following the word of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So it, I just, I said, Gabe, it doesn't make sense, you know? And that's another thing I thought about when I left. I said, if I don't think that drinking coffee is a big deal, but it's supposed to be this big deal in the church. Like, is a why am I, you know, and we grew up around people who drink, like we have family members who are not Mormon and we, you know, they're drinking doesn't have to be bad either. You know, you just have one drink and be done or, you know, it doesn't have to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I said, if you don't think that it's a big deal, big enough deal to quit smoking or quit, quit drinking for our family to go to the temple then why even stay in the church because even now especially with me out of the church we're not ever according to mormonism we're not going to be a forever family what is your i mean i can see that there's a lot of pain there which is is very very natural it'd be Mm -hmm. so my heart fills you and 
What is your belief now? Do you believe that you won't be an eternal family, that you won't see your children in heaven or your husband? No, I don't believe that anymore. I believe we'll all be together. Mm-hmm. And I don't have like a a religion or anything to co- compartmentalize it in, but um I just believe have my own belief that it doesn't matter what religion or if as long as you're a good person and you die, you will see your family again. There's a really beautiful children's book called I think it's called The Little Soul in the Sky. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm just going to, I'm writing this down. So I make sure that I, uh, cite it down below, but in the show notes, but, um, I love that book because I, I've shifted to a belief of, of course, we travel in spiritual families and we have multiple lifetimes. This is my belief. And that book goes into it and it's a very, it's just a beautiful book. And if you believe in a God in a loving God, there would be no way that a loving God is that he could be partial, that he would not put families together or loved ones together or so family members together or say you, because of your actions on earth, now you can't be with this person. That in the exist, you know, in the definition of what God is, that is not God. Yep. In my mm-hmm. opinion. So I'm, I'm glad that your opinion, your beliefs have shifted and just an observation, just my, again, my opinion. I think it's really beautiful that you are being a strong woman of, of standing for what feels true and what isn't true and what doesn't resonate. And you're creating space in your life for what is important to you so that you can have a better way of life. And, and how beautiful is it that you're seeing the, you know, I'm not going to church and all my depression is better and my anxiety is a lot less and almost gone. And, you know, even though your husband's choosing to go back in, I actually like I inside I'm really excited because now it's forcing him to start going, what is my spiritual beliefs? And whether, you know, great, he's choosing into the Mormon church right now. I think it'll be interesting to see where he's at a year from now, you know, but it's forcing him instead of relying on you and your spiritual, you know, whatever he wants to lean on. It's forcing him to kind of stand on his own two feet with that. And I think that that is a really beautiful gift. Mm -hmm. I believe that too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there was just a lot of other things, a lot. um, Another major thing, like learning about the history with racism and racist are like Brigham Young was and everything. It just, I'm like, how, I don't know how anyone, you know, especially my husband being monk can like ex- come to terms with that. But I guess they, you know, we both grew up in the same church. So we, we know the answer to that question. They just don't bring it up. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And Well, and sometimes you know, it's really easy to follow a system and a construct that is somewhat laid out for you. You do this, then this happens. You do this, and then this happens. And you kind of climb the ladder of the Mormon religion, and then you'll get to the eternal, you know, to the highest level of of heaven, and you can be together with your family. And in some ways, you don't have to think too much about it. You just follow these things, and then that's how you're going to get there. And in some ways, it's easier. It is in my experience, it is harder to step out and then to really be go through some dark places of what is, what do I believe to be true? I used to feel like I had spiritual gifts. Do I believe that anymore? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I did have some very powerful spiritual experiences. Well, 
you know, as a young, um, you know, as a young teen growing up and I was very much into reading the scriptures. I read the scriptures on my own, did my own scripture study outside of, I actually loved the Book of Mormon. I, you know, I would take, I would read it like only a couple verses and then dive deep into those verses, mm-hmm. see what I could pull out from that. Um, and I don't know, I don't want to sound crazy because you're not going to sound crazy. <laughs> um, but to me, it wasn't crazy because you're brought up think, uh, with the church saying, oh, everyone has their spiritual gifts, but you just can't talk about it because it's so sacred. But then that made me think, uh, am I crazy? Or like, should I talk about it? But I had this experience. I had a, a friend that I kind of grew up with. Um, she had moved away to Utah, went out to school, had a family, and they stayed in Utah while she came back to visit. Um, her mom was still in our ward. And um, at the time, they only had one kid. But when she came back to visit, I saw, I was, I went up to talk to her after sacrament. And um, I was in the primary at the time. Um, and then I said, oh, I was talking, I saw this little boy that was kind of clinging to her leg, kind of being all shy. And I started talking to him. I said, oh, like, are you going to go to class? Maybe, you know, uh, how old are you? And um, he just didn't say a word. And he just kept clinging to his mom's leg, like, oh, like very shy. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. Um I realized later, because talking to his mom, I was like, oh, it's so good to see, you know, your daughter again. Um, And I said, wait, she was talking about her grandkid. And I was like, wait, doesn't she have two? And she's like, no, they only have the one. I said, okay, well, don't think I'm crazy or anything. But like, I totally saw a little boy clinging onto her leg. And I was like talking to him, like... (laughs) And then she's kind of cool. She's a, she's one of the, there's a lot of convert members here in Minnesota. So like you won't get that typical, you know, reaction. Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if anyone understands this, not being in Minnesota, but like, like you run into a lot of like different personalities that is kind of more down to earth I guess you could say you don't have to try open-minded yeah yeah open-minded but she's like oh yeah that little boy yeah we know who he is um he is yeah um I and I knew his name and everything his name was Benjamin and she's like oh yeah that's their little boy they're gonna have there's a lady in our in their ward that sees him too all the time oh. I was like oh my gosh you know how so that just like affirmed to me it wasn't just me I wasn't crazy someone else saw him too um mm-hmm. but they believe that was their little boy which they ended up having a boy and they mean him Benjamin so oh, that's so awesome yeah I was like oh my gosh that must have been so I don't know like what it's called, but I just had really strong spiritual gifts. Um, being a Mormon, I felt like I couldn't share those because people would just think, oh, you know, only the prophet can have that, you know, that really strong spiritual ability, you know, being a woman in the church, I didn't feel like 
it was right to share those things, experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see a lot of spirits. Um, it is a gift of sight. And the Mormon church does not corner the market on spiritual gifts. That is something yeah. that um, you, everyone has access to spiritual gifts of sight, of hearing, of knowing. I mean, there's a lot of them mm-hmm. and it can be taught. So I, I'm just going to invite you because there's that part of me that just wants like yeah. to open back up to that. You know, okay. that's not something that is cornered by being Mormon. That is a hundred percent your birthright. Mm-hmm. And you as a spiritual being coming and choosing to be in human form has access and has every right to those gifts. Well, I, I really like hearing that because, <laughs> um, yeah, there's just so much that the church takes, well, tries to claim, you know, from you. Yeah. I just, that's just not right. Um, yeah. Another big one for me was the tithing. Yeah. Um, so we had an experience when my oldest was just a baby. Um, he, my husband had lost his job. He was the he was the work I was, I don't know if I, I can't remember if I was, I think I was working like part-time at the time. So I wasn't bringing home very much money, mm-hmm. maybe like 600 a month. Um, and our rent was 1200 a month. Mm-hmm. He lost his job. Um, well, and then I'll, I'll tell you this too. They had so many, it was at the time when the church, like, really pushed for people to learn how to be um, financially independent, you know, financially Mm -hmm. sound, which I kind of think I grew up with that in the church, like the teaching you financial stability, taking care of your families. Mm -hmm. And then we, they would have special classes, you know, like a Sunday school class specifically, like showing you how to budget better or whatever. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, it's drilled oh, I need to take care of my family, right? Well, my husband lost his job, but they still tell you to pay your tithing. Well, I can barely make rent with my paychecks. Um, So I decided, so I wouldn't have to go to the church to get help. I decided, okay, I'm going to just stop paying my tithing so that I can make my bills. Mm -hmm. Well, it came to a point where I couldn't even do that. Like, mm. no matter how well I budgeted, no matter how much I tried to save, you know, money, I just didn't make enough to s- support our family on our own. So I did go to the bishop. Well, I talked with Gabe. I said, you know, we tried as much as we could to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. just because of this. You haven't found a job yet. I think it's a good idea to go to the to the bishop to see if we can get some help. Um, and this is where I think my mom thinks my feelings are hurt. Cause I talk about tithing a lot mm-hmm. and how wrong I think it is for the church to have all these billions of dollars and not help out like they claim they do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I went, we went to the bishop in sincerity that we had paid our tithing up until we literally, we couldn't right. afford to pay our tithing anymore. And we were denied any help because mm. we weren't paying our tithing. Mm. And that just like broke me again, you yeah. know, because here we were trying to do, well, here I was being an only active member in my relationship, you know, doing all I can to 
keep our kids going to church and like doing the best I can in church, paying our tithing. Even when my husband wasn't active, I would ask money for him just to pay the tithing, you know, like, Mm -hmm. okay, we need this much for tithing. And then I would pay it. So technically I kind of helped him pay tithing. I was the one doing all I could. And, and we're taught to be independent financially and to take care of our families. But you're denied those blessings you're promised because they, along with the pain tithing, you get all these blessings, right? Right. Oh, that that Uh, had to be painful. Oh, yeah. Um, We had to go to St. Paul Catholic Charities. We got help from the Catholic Church. (laughs) Well, I'm (laughs) glad you got help. (laughs) But yeah, that seems a little bit. My my own religion won't help me, but. (laughs) Because I stopped for a few months. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Oh my gosh, that, that was kind of comical, but yeah, um, that would be hard. And it's just like, and I remember being in a Sunday school class one week and this family that I absolutely, I still love to this day. Like they are just a wonderful family. Um, well, she, the mom had gone on her mission to some like third world C- Central America country I forgot exactly where but Spanish speaking um and in that culture like when family members kind of like the Hmong, Hmong culture does this too where when family members come to visit they bring a lot of food with them mm-hmm. to or they help contribute to buying food while they're visiting so yeah. that they don't you know just to kind of help out with the groceries um so this little lady she tells us it was supposed to be an uplifting, you know, story, which at the time I thought, oh, it's, well, I thought what a nice story. But then I stopped and thought about it. I was like, actually, that's horrible because this little old lady who worked, um, she was by herself. Um, there was like she didn't have any money left until her next paycheck. And she was down to like the very last, like crumb, crumbs, basically. Like mm-hmm. she had a loaf of bread left, and that was about it for her to eat. And she, um, of course, the lesson that day was on tithing. And so she shared the story, and she said, "Well, she had to literally stop and think: Should I pay my tithing, or should I, should I buy food with mm-hmm. this last little bit of money?" And um, it was going to be a while until she got paid. And so she had, she's very faithful. So she thought, you know, I'm going to be faithful, be blessed. And I'm going to pay my tithing. You know, she would have starved to death. Okay. If she didn't get food um, and she paid her tithing and her sister just stopped. Like the next day, her sister decided to just unexpectedly stop by and visit her. Mm-hmm. She brought a bunch of food with her mm-hmm. and she, that was like the whole uplifting. Oh, you pay your tithing, you receive spiritual blessings. Yeah. And, and then, you know, being out of the church, you hear all these stories like mine, where you pay your faithful and paying your tithing, but then you don't receive the spiritual blessings you're promised, you know, like look at the people. What if her sister didn't show up? Right. Right. Well, I- to what you were talking about earlier with the power of the mind, it doesn't matter what the belief is. If your belief is that strong, then you will 
pull in the results of what your belief is. So for her, she believed very strongly, if I paid my tithing, then I'll be blessed. And that's what she created. And it doesn't matter what the belief is. It And it, what church or religion or spiritual belief it is, it, it's the belief and the power of the human mind to actually manifest in, in reality. So everybody's stories aren't, they're unique and to their personalities, to their belief systems, and really actually has nothing to do with the church, other than the fact that they um, publicize or have stories like that as far as a testimony of tithing. And it's yes. just more of a, this is the law of manifestation. You believe in something that deeply, it will happen. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, yeah, that's a, that's a unique story. And I, again, I'm sorry that you had to go through that because that had to be really painful with the church. Um, and we're getting, our time is coming to an end. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to ask with the th- experiences that you're going through and still going through, cause you're, you're fairly new out. What yeah. advice would you love to offer someone who's in a similar situation to yours and, and feeling similar things, what has brought you comfort as you have gone through the choices that you, that you've made? Um, so I just want to say that leaving the church was not an easy decision for me. I actually struggled a lot with that decision, but from, um, what I would suggest for everybody is to look at, you know, look at what's best for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Look at what you need to do to get your mental health in line, you know, um, whether that is still being in the church or what that entails for you. But just don't go by what you feel that you should be doing if it's not showing the results, because that's what I did for the longest time. I just I just kept doing all the things, you know, not realizing at the time the reason why I'm having all this anxiety, all this depression, all the stress was because I wasn't doing the things that was good for me mentally. So I would just suggest like, take a step back. What I had to do, like I said, is I had to take a step back and ask myself the questions. Okay. What is it that I need to do to make my life better? Mm -hmm. And doesn't matter where that leads you to. I mean, you know, think of what helps you feel better and, you know, don't worry. I was worried about all the, you know, comments I would get like from family members, which I did receive mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Oh, did you pray? Did you, <laughs> I mean, I did, I did do all those things. I prayed, I prayed a lot to receive an answer and, you know, um, I didn't receive the answer that I was expecting, but this is what, do what's good for you. Do what yeah. you need to do. Don't worry about what others think that your, your reasoning is for leaving because you know the truth and you know what is best for you. Yeah. Leave it with that. Um, Beautiful. Also be, be considerate of other people, <laughs> other people's cultures. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of like because people are so entangled in their culture, you know, um, when Gabe's parents left or joined the church, they had to stop. You know, the monk culture is very much 
drink into drinking, you know, especially at special occasions like weddings and everything. Um, and they just tie in their belief with their culture, you know, as much as they can. And you got to look at what what's best for you. Um, yeah. Culturally, you know, me and Gabe grew up different cultures and we have to come to a conclusion what's best for us instead of what's best for, according to what we grew up with. So mm-hmm. just take a step back and see what you need to work on for yourself and also with your, your spouse or a significant other. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I really love your podcast, Amanda. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. Please make sure on Spotify, you can now rate the podcast. So please, if you haven't given me a review yet, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give me a five-star review. It really helps boost the rankings, helps get this out there more. I know that this podcast is really, really deeply healing and helpful for so many to really help you all in knowing you're not alone. And if the more we can get this out there, the more we can just assist other people. Um, So please give me a review and head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com. Make sure you're subscribed to my email and snag a spot in my retreat that's coming up. And as always, sending you all so much love. Remember that you are not alone and that at any time you get to ask for things in your life. So if you're struggling right now, ask for help. Ask Source Universe whatever you want to, even if you don't believe anything, just give it, give yourself the opportunity to be curious that if you ask, it will show up. And with all of that, sending you all so much love.